You are listening to episode six of the Industrial Tradition Podcast. I'm Austin, I'm Kayla's husband, and today I'm going to be asking her some questions. We're going to talk about her childhood, her growing up, and how marriage and travel and ultimately depression, how that has given her the mindset she has today. believe that ordinary people's stories are the ones that need to be told. We want to meet you in the trenches of everyday life and say, me too. Pipeline families, farmers, ranchers, makers, mothers, mechanics, truckers, welders, and alike are all welcome here. Industrial Tradition is a brand dedicated to celebrating you and the way you live life. I'm Kayla, creator of Industrial Tradition and your host. I love that our community is filled full of people with tough roots and wild dreams. This is our community kitchen table. Show up here to talk shop, tell soul-filled stories, share your best advice, and shake hands with folks living on hard work and faith, just like you. All right, guys, as you heard, Austin is the host for today. To be really honest with you... (laughs) I wasn't able to get up with anybody this week to interview them for the podcast because just to catch you up a little bit, Austin got laid off. So we left Pennsylvania, took a couple days to drive home, and now we're back in Oklahoma. So that's where we are. Different setting. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. We're back in our house, you know, the one with the foundation and filming this in person for the first time. Yeah, here we are in the big house nice to be home for a change. It is nice. Been gone for six, seven months. I have. Yeah, I haven't. I've been here a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back home. If you guys can see on YouTube, there's, I'm like cracking up because you can see over there, there's like a paint swatch and this house is a work in progress, y'all. And we're never here. And then whenever we are here, we're so busy. I mean, we've been saying we were going to remodel it for what, like three years. Yes, we got holes in the ceiling. We got a hole in the living room and a hole in the kitchen ceiling because we committed to changing the roof and we didn't change the roof. Yeah. Yeah. We decided to start a business instead. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Here we are. I don't regret starting industrial tradition over making our house feel like a home because we'll get into it today, but it's been a big lifesaver to me, a huge blessing to us, something that we're still so excited about. It was worth it. It just means we have to wait a little bit longer. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely worth it. Handing it over to you. Okay. So if you guys have been listening, you know that MK a couple of weeks ago mentioned asking Kayla some questions and getting to know Kayla. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to interview Kayla. I grew up on my family's farm, my mom's side of the family. So that's also the farm that if you guys watch our YouTube videos, that's the farm that I talk about all the time that my brother works at. That's the farm that I grew up on. And I grew up in Cushing, which hilariously is known as the pipeline crossroads of the world. (laughs) Even though all growing up, I really didn't know much about like the oil field or pipeline, welding, any of that. I was really immersed in the agriculture industry. And that's what my family did. And so that's where I was. That's just kind of a side note, really funny now that I married Austin and it's what we do. My parents got a divorce whenever I was young. I think I was three. So my brother and I spent a lot of time 
whenever we weren't in school and different things with our great grandparents and just on the farm. When you were growing up, you didn't see it as unusual. Right. But that's kind of unusual. Like I, my great grandparents were around, but I was, I think my latest one was, I might've been 16 when my mom's grandma passed away. I've never really thought about it. Like you mentioned us talking about this for this episode. And like you say, I don't really think about it in... Whenever I do just sit here and think about it, I wonder if it's why I am kind of like an old soul. Really appreciate and am curious about a simpler way of living and like handmade things and all that type of stuff. My family had a dairy. They dispersed the dairy November 7th, which my birthday is on November 8th. My mom actually worked the cell. I think the story goes she was working the cell. I put her into labor. So I was born a month early the day after. But it was good because it was on my grandpa's birthday, and so we get to celebrate that together. Some people were already one generation, not removed, but outside of that. Like my grandparents, you know, they both had jobs in town. So I grew up, a lot of my childhood was with my grandma. She had her own garden. She still sewed clothes. Whenever I was much younger, she even made dresses and stuff for me out of you know, the patterns that you go and you buy at fabric stores. So my grandparents, my great grandparents, I call them my grandparents, but they were my great grandparents. Whenever Kayla and I first started dating, she would always say grandparent or grandma and grandpa. And I was very confused because she had great grandparents and grandparents. And I was it took a while. If you don't yeah. know her, you don't know which one she's talking about. I grew yeah, up so. with them. And it's it's crazy because I remember even whenever I was going to school, I would get on the bus. I was the first one on, last one off. I rode the Cougar. I loved my bus driver. He was the best. If I needed anything at school or if I was sick, my great grandma was the one who <laughs> like had to come pick me up from school. She was not a fan of my family. They're very just tough people. They're farmers and generations back, you know, they do a lot of hard work and they had everything because they made it for themselves type thing. Faking something or being a sissy about something or whatever is just not something that you can get away with in my family. One time I remember I was sick at school. It's funny because I was going to ask you about this story. Yeah. I I was sick at school. So my grandma came, got me and she had like one of those like old big boat town cars. I don't know why I remember that. I just do. And she was this little, you know, older woman. She's probably only five foot tall, you know, white hair, just so sweet. Everybody loved her. But she came and got me from school. And the whole time we were driving home, she was telling me about how her kids, that she had a, (laughs) that she had a plaque at her house that she was going to show me because all four of her kids, that they got perfect attendance. And she had a plaque for that. (laughs) And so, I mean, basically she was telling me like, are you really that sick? Did you really need to come home from school? Or could you have, you know, like toughed it out? Yeah. So we get home. (laughs) She's treating me like I'm sick. So she puts me on the couch. And I remember like, I just wasn't feeling well. I wasn't legitimately like I didn't have the flu. I didn't have, you know what I mean? I just didn't feel well. And I probably just didn't want to be at school. I don't remember specifically. I just remember the things that happened. No TV, laid on the couch, half to sleep, like under a blanket. Miserable. Yeah. And let me tell you what, if y'all are wondering how to keep your kids in school, I was so bored and it was not at all what I thought (laughs) going home sick was going to be like. So anyways, that's just kind of like a funny story. That's kind of how I grew up with my great grandparents, specifically my great grandma cooked and I sat by her at her sewing machine and 
We did the garden. We fed bottle calves. That's how it was back then, and you loved it. That's why. Yeah, I loved it. That's why you still are interested in that. I do desire, like, the more rural lifestyle. Yeah, I guess that was just ingrained in me whenever I was really young, and I just... I feel very strongly about it. I think it's a great way to live your life, not wrapped up in what everybody's telling you to do and like the town life that's so busy and, you know, after school activities and all that type of stuff. More so just being around family and working and, you know. I would say you're thankful for your simple upbringing, but you're also thankful to have learned what you've learned as an adult. For sure. For sure. For because, sure. Because that's. It's weird how we got here. We could go on yes. and on, but we have intentions of getting somewhat back to that right for lifestyle, sure. and that is kind of where I feel most grounded and centered. If you know me, or if you are married to me, I talk about like building a house and having a house with land and animals and like a bunch of kids all the time because that's just. You know, I've just got to where if I listen to myself and I really look at like knowing myself, I just know that that's what I want. That's what we're working towards. So that was your childhood. Let's talk about when you got a little bit older, you were in FFA, you showed livestock. So I really passionate about that. Yes. Loved showing cattle. I was in 4-H just so that I could show. So you can start showing whenever you're nine. And I got into 4-H and went to like the minimum meetings just so that I would be eligible to show like at the county show and like state fair and stuff. And then I just couldn't wait to get into the FFA. So I know that around the U.S., certain areas 4-H is bigger and in certain areas FFA is bigger. And here where I'm from and, and the type of stuff that I wanted to do, livestock showing and stuff, FFA is it. It's in my opinion, it's where you're going to have the most opportunity. You also have the classes at school. I just couldn't wait. I was so stinking excited for eighth grade because that's whenever you, you know, can take an FFA class for the first time. I loved showing and then I did need something. I wanted something for myself and I was always curious about sheep. And then our ag teacher at the time was super into sheep. And so I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to do it. And my family knew nothing about sheep. So I was able to really do that on my own with the help of my ag teacher. And it felt like my own project and something new. I had been around cattle my entire life. And so being around cattle and, and breaking a calf and feeding it and brushing it and blowing it, it was something that I had just been doing for so long that I wanted to learn something new. And I'm still that person today. I love learning new things. And I'm super curious about basically everything. I like worked two summer jobs to buy a lot of sheep. Like I was super serious about it. I don't know. I was intense. Like that's something Austin talks about. We were very different people in high school. You were more of like low key. Not as serious. Yeah. And I, and that's part of like how I grew up, obviously, as you can tell, but also I was competitive and I was super passionate about it. I literally couldn't be bothered by anybody who didn't want to show livestock. I did not understand. And I couldn't comprehend why you would just want to get like a project, never touch it and never feed it and not really care about it. Like, why get it if you're not going to compete? Why get it if you're not going to want to try the hardest, you know? I didn't know for sure if I wanted to go to college, especially once I got into college. I thought it wasn't for me. I had people ask me questions on Instagram and somebody asked me what my degree was. So I went to Oklahoma State. I actually started at NOC because 
my SAT score wasn't high enough to get into OSU. I went to NOC. That's where I started. I took basics and I was going towards NOC OSU. They have like a partnership to where you can be going towards an OSU degree while you're there in OC and the campus is like right next to one another. You can go to OSU classes as well, but you're actually like enrolled in NOC, the college. I was going towards an agricultural education degree because, you know, I was so into FFA that I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an ag teacher. I think that being an ag teacher would be so much fun and I think I would have loved it, but the reality was is it wasn't going to allow me to have the type of like lifestyle and family life that I pictured for myself, which that's changed because I never pictured like going on the road and all that stuff. I chose to change to ag business. So that was my first change. And I did the stereotypical three. I did ag business as I wasn't going to go to any other college, but the college of ag that was after I transferred to OSU. Sorry. And I didn't like it. I wanted to go to hair school. I had always wanted to be like a hairstylist. I was super into makeup, which if you see most of the time, I'm not wearing it, but I absolutely love doing makeup and all that type of thing. Like at the stock shows, I would always like do like two or three friends eye makeup before we went into the show ring. So that was something that I was just really passionate about. I liked doing. And so I thought, well, I'll go to hair school and the tech school that Austin went to for welding in high school had an adult cosmetology program but there was a waiting list. So I signed up and by the time fall semester rolled around, they hadn't called me back yet. And they said it was still going to be like up to like six months. So I decided, well, instead of just working, I was planning on being in some type of school. I'll enroll back in OSU for one more semester, just so I'm quote unquote, not doing anything, even though I was working at the time. That's whenever I found agricultural communications, which is what my degree was. And I'm not sure how I came upon that. I think I was looking at options because I wasn't happy. And I think I saw that it had like photography. And so that was my interest into there was like one photography class, by the way, it was just one which totally sucked. But that's what like led me to that program. And then it's really funny because that program has a series of four English classes that you have to take. And it's basically a journalism degree. It's very similar. And I am a horrible (laughs) writer and I am not proper whenever it comes to the written or spoken English language. And so it's laughable that that's the degree that I chose, but it is what it is. I did it for the other classes, like the photography and the layout and design and that type of thing. What you learned in ag communications was educating people about the agriculture industry. And you're passionate about that, even though the English part maybe didn't fall into what you were good at. Yeah. It was still nice. Something to mention is that just because you're, if you're passionate about something, do it, even though you may not be best at all parts of it. It's okay to still do it because you can always, there's other people that can fill those gaps. So that's for sure something helpful. Yeah. And it's something that I'm still passionate about today. My passion for creating industrial tradition versus my original idea, which was like a pipeline t-shirt line, because I didn't want to just talk to one audience because I felt like it was important and that I knew and was passionate about like more industries than just 
like the oil and gas industry. My degree is in agricultural communications, bachelor's of science in agricultural communications. And I got a minor in agricultural economics because I did that short stint of the business degree and I was going to lose some math classes. So I just decided to do a minor so I wouldn't lose any of those. I think I only had to take like a class or two extra to get that minor based on what I had already done and how it wasn't going to carry over. We got married after you got out of college. And right whenever we got married, that's whenever I started my pipeline career. And you kind of just went with me. You started sharing your life online, our life online. but mm-hmm. And then you started talking about started talking about depression and that kind of, I think that change between, well, going on the road. I think you going on the road kind of was like a, a rude awakening, kind of, so that maybe that's what kind of led you into, because you weren't doing your own thing. You kind of just dropped everything to go with, with me. Yeah. And that kind of led into a state of state of depression at some point. Yeah. And I didn't even know that that's what it was at first. I was trying to do photography, trying to start a photography business. And then Austin left and I went back and forth for the first couple months that you were on the road and quickly realized that that was just not going to work. It just sucked. We had spent like all our time together for the previous like four years and it was just like really hard. We had just gotten married and I felt like, to be frank, I was afraid that it was going to tear us up. It was going to break us. It was going to kill our relationship. And so I just, the only thing that I saw as a fix to that, and it was possible, was me going on the road. And so to me at that time, we had a lot of conversations around it. And you were always like super, super supportive and like understanding that it was hard for me. You even told me like, let's just go home. Like, it's not worth it. Like, I don't want this to tear us up either. Like, this is horrible. Like, let's just go home. And I think, you know, part of the reason that I was able to make that decision was because you were so good about that. And I knew that like, if I made the choice and that still wasn't the right choice, that like going home was always an option. But I felt like for you and for us, I had to at least try traveling. Yeah. And so I did something that I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would do. And we bought a different camper and a bigger one because I was just like, I don't know if I can do. And our camper wasn't even small. God bless you wives that are in like travel trailers and stuff. I literally like do not know how you do it because like claustrophobia and feeling really cooped up and having the winter blues was something that hit me like super early on. And so we got a bigger camper and I basically like, I kept my studio because I had leased it for a year, but I didn't really use it that much more. It kind of just sat there. I made a video not that long ago about unpacking my dreams because we were going through storage and I came across a box that was like stuff from whenever I was planning like the branding and the, the name and doing all that for my photography studio. And that was pretty tough to like unbox, but Because until now, that was the last time that I had listened to myself and what my own personal needs and desires were. Yeah. Because once I decided to go on the road, I just kind of put it in my head 
And it's because I'm stubborn and because probably a lot of like this childhood thing that we just talked about and the family that I came from, you decide what you're going to do and you stick to it and you make it work. I was also determined to make our marriage work. And I was, I mean, it was just above all else for better or for worse. Like that's what choice I chose and that's what I was going to do. And I don't want people to mistake it for that. I was never happy in it. Because I think that that's, that wouldn't ever be fair to say or to make people think because I definitely was like, I definitely had good days and there was times there at the beginning that it was a lot of fun and we were meeting new people and we were seeing things that I never thought we would be able to see. And it was new and it was chaos, which like made it interesting, Yeah, but it was also really hard. And well, I even even in a marriage, you still have to make sacrifices. Yeah, you make sacrifices, and that's what you were doing. But at the same time, you have to do something that fulfills yourself. Right. Like as an individual, yeah. that is very important mm-hmm. to do something that fulfills yourself, and it's extremely hard to juggle with marriage and it is everything else in life. You know. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. And basically, what happened was like when everyone on the road, like it really wasn't too bad. Whenever I went full time right there at the beginning was whenever my sister-in-law now, she was dating your brother. She went out and was living with him. And so like she was there and she didn't have a car. And so we would go like to the grocery store together and like they didn't have a washer and dryer in their camper. So like we would also go to the laundromat for them. We had like one errand day, like once a week we did. And we hung out like otherwise. And so that was cool because I kind of like had somebody that was there because I had just left all my like friends and family for like full time for the first time. At some point I got a job. Was that kind of the next thing that happened? Yeah. So I got a job because I was really struggling with that guilt of not having a job. I mean, like not contributing financially. Yeah. And just... I felt like people were judging me (laughs) like from home and everything because people would ask me like, what do you do all day? And all those pressures and I felt like judgy eyes really got to me. I would say even for myself, like I'm not going to put it all on other people, but I definitely did let other people like influence me whenever I shouldn't have, but I did. And I I got an in, it was like escort and flagger. It was great at first. And I met some really fun people and then it got to where I was spending my days doing something that wasn't fulfilling me and I wasn't able to have any time to do anything creative and it's so funny because I've always wanted to be a creative but I've never considered myself creative. I had the camper at night and I was like trying to make like Christmas gifts and trying to do a scrapbook and do that like after work but we were working like 16 hours a day and you would sometimes get off before me and like I would come in and you would be sleeping and like dinner wouldn't be started and laundry would be like literally to the ceiling in the thing because it was winter. So we were wearing like multiple layers of clothes. And I just remember back then you weren't as down with like helping at home. Not at all. And it was just, we were like fighting and I wasn't able to like have that creative time. I was just feeling blah. So this is a good like 
thing that was a big realization for me. We had the most money that we've ever had in our bank account during that time because we were both working. Correct. And we were working so many hours that we weren't having time to spend it. And we were saving so you could come home and take off time to build a bed and do a couple other things. We were so unhappy. Yes. And that was the first time that I realized that money will never fix your problems. And that if you're not doing what you want to be doing all day long, you will feel consistently depleted and blue. And that's whenever I started the blog, really. That was my way of like trying to do something. So like that sense of like work and doing something that I could show people like, hey, look, like I don't just sit on my ass all day. And even then it took a year or more before you actually told people that you were doing it. Right. Because you didn't feel like you were. Yeah. Then we went to North Dakota. And I think I had probably struggled with depression a little bit. But it was something that nobody that I know talks about ever. And a lot of people that I know, they talk about your physical health. And that's been something that's been a narrative in my life for a really long time. Because I've always struggled with my weight. Mental health was never something that I remember people talking about. Getting into it, yeah. not just. So I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know that I was depressed or that I was getting depressed or that I was struggling with that. I, like, literally had no idea. Basically, I came back home. I had to have my annual woman doctor appointment. I hadn't had it in a really long time or else they weren't going to prescribe me birth control. So it made me go in. I hate going to the doctor. You guys will know. Like, I have to have a reason that makes me go in. Anyways, and so I went there and my doctor is a woman and she's super sweet. I was sitting there on the table before we got started and she was like, well, like it's been a long time since you've been in. And she looked at me dead in the eye. Like it wasn't like, hey, how are you doing? And you know how you're just always like good or great because nobody wants to hear if you're not doing good or great. And nobody really probably even wants to know what you're feeling. They just feel like they need to ask. And she looked me dead in the eye and she was just like, she goes, she kind of slumps down and she looks at me and she goes, how are you? And I lost my shit. Literally just right there, dead in the doctor's office. I think I still had all my clothes on. Thank goodness I wasn't like in those, you know, like tissue paper outfits that they give you. And I just broke down. And she was so, so, so sweet and so patient. And she just tried to help me. I think she was trying to figure out where it was coming from so that she could help me, you know, figure out what was going on. And I told her how I'd been feeling and like thoughts that I had been having, which were super dark, by the way. I even tell Austin now, like it really, really I mean, it, it still makes me emotional, but it also just bothers me. And it's so sad to me that like I, what I was thinking and also just like the thought of, you know, that I know that other people struggle with it and they don't either know what's going on or that they can put a label on it and be able to begin to like ask for help and come out of it and to get out of it. Because whenever you're in it, you literally don't think that there's like, there's no hope that that's what you feel like a lot of time. And 
you just feel like, I don't know if I could ever be happy. And then I had this whole other thing on top of it where, you know, for the most part, I could hide out because we were in North Dakota and like we had friends, but they worked during the day. They were their husband's helpers. And I was the only one who stayed at home. So I also had that guilt of like, oh, you're the one who can't make it. Like you're the one who can't buck up and just go work 16 hours a day. And it was never about the hours a day. It was about that it was unfulfilling as far as pipeline work. Like I know that now, like I know that I'm not scared of work. But back then what I was telling myself was like, you're a sissy, like you can't just buck it up. Like it would help you guys financially. Like it would do all this stuff. Look at these other people doing it. But everything that I told myself back then, quite literally everything was negative. I just, you know, and and I spent so much time alone in those years because everybody else did go to work and we lived in a campground that, I mean, what the grocery store was an hour away. Just, I didn't know anybody and the people I did knew weren't there till like the evenings or the weekends. And so I had this like whole narrative in my head. And then whenever we would hang out with our friends or somebody from home would would call me, which was really rare back then. And so I was able to really hide out. And then I would spend all of my energy whenever I was around people faking it. I know how to fake it. Like I can make probably anybody, I can BS pretty much anyone into thinking that I am doing great. Like I'm lovely. I know that in conversation, if I make the conversation about them, it's going to make them feel good and it will take the, like the, you Focus know, heat off of me. Off of you, yeah. I know how to do all that. She does. I, that's, I'm very good at, I don't know. Like I never saw it as manipulating a situation because I thought the only person that I'm hurting is myself. So it doesn't matter. But I was super good at faking it. Like nobody knew that anything was going on. Kayla is a very tough person. You're very tough and you got a you've got a way higher tolerance, pain tolerance than than I do. That has affect us in our marriage because even though you've told me at times whenever we've had our arguments or fights, that's whenever I realize I'm like, okay, something's wrong with her. But it's like in her everyday motion, she carries herself real well and acts like everything's fine. That does not give me a constant reminder that she's hurting. So therefore, it's covered up. Like she puts on a real good front because that's just a habit or whatever it is. And that's where you were at in that time. Yeah. The only time I would say it came out was because I did carry, you carry a lot of hate and resentment and just negativity. You just harbor a lot of negativity whenever you're in that headspace. It did come out like whenever we would fight or whenever you did something wrong. Like that's whenever it would come out and it was probably more aggressive or more dramatic because I bottle everything up. But I would say that's about the only time that it came up. And I remember there was like a couple nights where I just like, I broke down and I was just like crying. And I don't know what you thought. You probably thought, oh my God, I don't even know what's happening. And I I just, I actually needed that. I needed to know that's where you were at, you know? Right. I remember like... It was sad, extremely sad. And it was hard to... You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I... What was I to do to help? Like, there's a lot of things yeah. I could do to help, but I didn't know what to do. She did prescribe me medication. And she didn't right away tell me, like, you need to go see somebody. And I think that that's actually a good thing. Because I was able to use the medicine as an aid. And it really did help me to where... 
then I started regaining almost like consciousness. Like you almost feel like you like black out and you're just like in this different world. And I began thinking about hope and the future and happiness and what things that I do that make me feel good, you know, really break down the thoughts that I had had and like where those came from. And then I called the doctor's office and I asked them, I said, Hey, is there anybody you can suggest that I could go see? I'm really ready to tackle these things and I want help. I mean, then I started going to therapy like every week and I started unpacking, you know, things from my childhood lies that I told myself, the thoughts that I that I had went through my head, the reality of our relationship, like just all of it. Yeah. And it turned my life around. I also decided that I was going to follow the Lord again. And that's something I don't know the right way to word that. I've never it's one reason why I sometimes don't talk about No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Follow, yeah. Because I feel like I'm not wording stuff right. Chose, but chose to get back on track, follow him, yeah. and like try to focus more in on him. Yeah, for sure. And I would say that him and my past, like in the church from like as a kid and in like middle school and stuff, whenever I was really involved in youth group, I would say that that was a glimmer of, it was always in the back of my mind, like whenever I was really depressed. Because I remember like there was times where, I was crying and I was literally like crying out to the Lord to help me. And just that there was like some, something or somebody that would like show up. But I think whenever you're so consumed by all the negativity, even though I knew who to cry out to, I wasn't then actively searching out his word and his promise and his forgiveness And so because of that, you didn't have a strong relationship, right? Because of that, like that was a glimmer of hope, but at the very beginning wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, but I do believe that like he was part of like how the rest of it has unfolded and obviously will for the rest of my life. All that's interesting too. And, and something that I would like to talk about publicly, but it's like, I struggle because I'm like, what words do I use? And like, how do I say this? And I don't know. I just you know, I don't ever want to like mess up or like say the wrong thing or, you know, I think too, like that was part of the problem is I thought like Christians were a certain type of people and that I was too like tainted to be able to be like, like a Christian that taught publicly about Christianity. And I read a good book on that. It's from Jamie Ivey. I'll link it in the show notes, but basically she talks about like the shame and the guilt And all those things that we pin on ourselves, like on our chest, that we think everybody can see that everybody cares about. And it keeps us from doing all these things and having this certain relationship with the Lord. So through, you know, my relationship with Christ, therapy, (laughs) and medicine, I was able to eventually get to a better place and get better. And I still struggle with it. I still struggle with it, but I have more tools now and I choose to actively face it with those tools so that I hope, you know, I don't ever go back to that place, like, especially for that long. Yeah. But it is constant work 
and awareness and, and all those things for me, because it's definitely still something that it didn't just go away. And through all that, you've, you've learned a lot. And yeah. that's what you want to share with, with everybody is what you've learned and what you've come to terms with it all mm-hmm. and how it's changed your life and yeah. our life. So there's a couple things that I would say were like the key things that I learned from back then that I'm still like carrying with me today and doing very actively besides obviously like the work that I do in personal development and stuff to stay on track and to stay in a healthy mindset. But other than that, just like in general, like life things, Mm -hmm. I think that my takeaways were one question, everything, which I will explain. And two, that passion is a gift in this life. And what I mean by that is having passion around the things that you do and want to do is what you should search for. Like above everything else, above your own expectations, above your family's expectations, above what you think people see or say or think about you, above what you, what somebody told you success was, above all those things, like passion is the thing that I really see has changed my life and I believe will carry me through till the end of this life in a happy place. And I believe that that is the answer for other people as well. should be something that like it fuels you. It's like no matter how much you do it, no matter how many hours a day you spend on it or how little sleep you get because of it, you feel good. Like you feel alive. That's right. Yeah. I don't know how to exactly explain what I'm talking about, but passion was the word that I could think of. And that's the type of feeling that I'm talking about. Just find something that even through the monotony of life, if you're able to just, even if you aren't able to actively do it, if you're just thinking about it, it can change your mindset. It's where it all you're starts. like, okay, like yeah. I'm going to get this cleaning done because then after that, like I get to do this thing that I'm passionate about, or I get to research this part of this thing that I want to do because I'm passionate about X, Y, Z. And that has just helped me so much. And that's the head space and the the body space that I want to stay in. And to get to that, I feel like you had to question everything. Yeah. And that was your first point. It's kind of strange because this started, this question thing started whenever I was in a negative headspace. I was questioning everything. Like I was questioning every life thing that I did and like how it was bad right? The result of this questioning then was always negative because of where I was. But that idea of questioning everything is a big part of how I've got to where I am today. And so it can be used for good or bad, just like how this obsessive mindset that I have can be used for good or bad, right? Like this obsessive mindset probably kept me in those dark thoughts for longer and maybe it happened stronger and more because I was like, once I convinced myself, like I was all in on every negative thing I thought about myself or anything else in life. So anyways, this idea of tough roots and wild dreams and how that came about was, I think that it's very important to stay grounded and to keep your roots like sunk into the things that you believe But have wild dreams 
And part of formulating what those are is questioning everything underneath you and then everything from there on. And I don't feel like this is talked about. I feel like people say, like, that was your history. This is who you are. Like, this is who you're going to be. And I think that if you question everything, that is the only way that you're ever going to be able to look within yourself and really, really find out, yeah, you're going to think certain things because of your history, but you have to question them at least once, like in your adult life to know exactly where you stand without anybody else's opinion tied to it. Yeah. And so that's what I started to do. And I literally questioned everything, like everything from going to school to not dating other people to like our marriage to what I drove to how I got into depression to traveling. If I like traveling, if I don't like traveling, like religion, like what do I think about this? What Literally, it's a little out of control in my mind. It has allowed me to really for the first time ever, start to have some confidence in who I am and who I want to be because I chose it and I envisioned it and I'm working towards it. I don't know. I just think that it's been such a huge game changer for me. And I think that if you're stuck, it's a great place to start. Absolutely. Let's do these Instagram questions. Okay. So, Just to make sure that I answered all of those. If you guys right. don't follow me on Instagram, better follow me on Instagram. CJ asked, if you could change one view, ideal, misconception in the world, what would it be? That's CJ. deep, CJ. That's deep. That's very deep. So one thing that I've been struggling, I don't know if this answers this question directly, but one thing that I've been struggling with here lately that is very widespread is this idea of, well, two things and they kind of tie together. One of them being that like the world has gone to crap and humanity has gone to crap and like whatever. I think that that's a negative mindset. And I think that that is total crap because there's still tons of great people in the world that are trying to do great things and are trying to be the best best versions of themselves. And there has always been both and will always be both types of people and you choosing to focus on that the world is only negative is you putting yourself on the side of the person who's always going to see that and always only going to put that out into the world. I love that because I am guilty of saying that. Yes. I've said that from time to time. And by the way, like I've been on both sides. Yeah. And then I hear people say that whenever they talk about, you know, products, they talk about all these products are cheap or like they're, they're not made how they used to be. No, they aren't. But Also, there is other products in the world that most people don't search out or are too cheap to buy. And so I think that, you know, it's a little bit harder to find them, but that you need to realize what you're asking. Us as, you know, as tons of humans in the world, we've told businesses that we want more and we want it cheaper and we want it faster and we want it now. And so like superstores have come about and like, you know, one day shipping has come about and all this stuff. And to be able to make that a lucrative business, they have to like buy the products cheaper or they have to get them made in places like China that has, you know, like cheaper labor. And 
do all these different things. And so you have to, to me, this is like a big thing that I've learned about like self-awareness and just like reality, which is what are you asking? Cause you can't have it all. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like this happens in the agriculture space with food and this happens in like every other industry. So if you want a product that's of good quality, take it upon yourself to find it which means you're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to find a handmade maker or a smaller business, maybe that's from the United States or somewhere like the U.S. or Canada or somewhere that's more local. I'm just saying that's because that's where we are here. Yeah. Like we live in the U.S. And so I know that that to be true. And those people are dying for you to be their customers and for them to be able to do their passion and do the thing that they're good at, but they're, businesses that only do like one thing or one or two things, but they do it well and they do it right, but you have to find them and you have to support them. And if you want those products to be more mainstream, you have to quit shopping at big box stores and things that are super easy and fast. And, And like, I've started to have friends that don't believe in everything that I believe in. And I, even two years ago, I would not have seen myself as being able to do that. But I think Whenever you're sure about yourself and you start to like gain that confidence in things, you're able to really step into exactly who you are and be able to know that it's not going to change you. Like it's not going to change your mind. And by the way, you can change your mind, but you can still stand your ground and be friends and have relations with people who don't believe in exactly everything that you do. Connect on the things that you believe in. And be open-minded about the other things to see if, you know, again, question everything. Just because you don't agree doesn't mean you have to hate. Right. You know, be open-minded. Be, okay, that's great for you. And be open-minded. Maybe one day. So those are like the two things that are going on in the world right now that I think we need to get a grip on. Okay. Somebody asked, owning your own business, how do you stay organized and manage your time effectively? Well, that's funny. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I would say. Short answer is... I'm really bad at that, especially right now. It's this obsession thing that we've talked about. I love new and fresh and exciting. And and like once it's like I stepped into the thing that I (laughs) thought there that I finally figured out I was here for. And I it's like you can't you can't stop me. But yet I need to like slow my roll on it because I'm not doing anything super, super well because I'm super stretched thin and I really don't know how to rein it in. And so right now I'm doing this whole thing of, I basically, I wake up in the morning. I told Austin this, like, I don't set an alarm, but the first thing, cause I get to bed really late and I don't want to like tell myself you can only have four hours of sleep. But basically the first thing that wakes me up in the morning, I just stay up. So like if I have to get up to go to the bathroom or if the light comes in, Like sometimes I've had like seven or eight hours of sleep and sometimes I've had six. Now, a couple months ago, I was doing really good with this, like productivity and scheduling my time. And I I had like a morning routine and a night routine and I was like, you know, killing it. But today, this week, last week, probably next week, I don't have a grip on it. So basically what I do is I wake up whenever the first thing wakes me up, I stay up, I start working and I just work for as long and as hard as I can. And then I go to bed and I wake up and I do it again. And like, I allow myself the freedom if things come up to do those without too much guilt, 
But the problem is, is I have so much excitement for what we're doing, building, and how we're able to connect with people and touch people's lives that like, I prefer to be doing that. Yeah. But I have to also realize that, you know, five years from now, maybe whenever that changes for me, I want to make sure I still have a family that I didn't just totally leave in the dust or friends. And so I have to kind of, you know, pick that. And I kind of, I almost just kind of take it on like a daily or a weekly basis. Like, what do I feel like I need? Do I feel like I want to, I need to see a friend in person? Like now that I'm home, I'm able to do that. So I'm going to make sure that I make time to do that because that's important to me. And I know that there's going to be a time where I'm going to be in the camper and I'm not going to have any friends around. So I know that this is the time that I can get that in. So I'm going to do that now. And I kind of just, all the productivity things I think would say that this is a total just crap idea and is not going to get you anywhere. Most people who make those things and decide on that stuff and do the research and the science behind that are doing it for people who have a very like their life is the same every day. So like they work a nine to five, like they live in the same place, like they don't travel. And so the reality is for our life, I feel like for my mindset, it's good to always be aware of what I need and not let a schedule tell me that I can't do something. So right now I'm kind of just like going with the flow. That's how I'm doing it. it. I like it. And whenever I'm working, I'm trying to just do the most. That's kind of what we have to do in our lifestyle, you know? And I'm glad that you found that because it is very important to do what is necessary for yourself Mm -hmm. whenever it comes about. Because if you don't, it goes too long without it. And it's like the self-awareness to make the calls, but then you have to swallow the reality pill, right? I know a lot of people that watch are moms. And so this is just something that I feel like I can kind of like, you know, give you like an idea of what I mean by that. What I mean is, is if you fill in your heart of hearts... I need to spend more time with my kids. Like this is the only time that they're little. I know I'll regret it if I don't. So I need to spend more time with your kids. Do that. But no, swallow the reality pill of knowing that whatever you're starting or whatever business you have or whatever relationships that you have are going to be like second to that. Or you're not going to be able to do it as much or you're not going to be able to accomplish it as fast. Like, that's just the reality of it, and that's totally fine. Also, there's the other reality of, like, maybe you're a mom and you feel like, I love these babies with all my heart, but if I do not find something for myself, I'm going to lose my dang mind, and they need to go to mommy's day out or daycare or school or whatever so that I can get a grip on what I need for myself. That's also okay, right? But then you have to swallow the reality pill of, okay, yeah, Somebody else might teach your kid how to do this instead of you or be there for that first instead of you. But that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mom. It just means that at this season in your life, this is what you feel like your heart or your gut is telling you you need to do. And sometimes it doesn't last that long. Like sometimes I'll do something for like only just a couple weeks. And then I start feeling better about that. And so I'm like, okay, I can switch to this. You need to be honest with yourself. And maybe right now you don't even know what, you don't even know what that means. So the honesty is you need to try things because that's the only way you're going to be able to figure it out. I would say in the books and from afar, what I'm doing right now is a little insane, but it's working for me and it's working for us. And so it's fine. Like we don't have kids. 
you're a workaholic, so it's fine. Yep. As long as I'm, I have to watch out for my mental health and I have to make sure I'm not like having really bad eating habits and like staying inside all day. But that's, you know what I mean? Like that is part of the awareness in, in reality. If I do that for too many days, if I eat in front of the computer three meals a day, like a weekend or three days in, like I realize that I feel like poop and I need to go outside with the dogs or I need to go do something or I need to drive around. I need to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I need to go run the errands. So anyways, I hope that makes sense. She said entire episode on you giving tips of first things and baby steps on how to start a new business. I would love to do that. I will make sure to do that. It won't be in this episode, but I'll make sure to do that. How did you become you? Was it a job you had, a dream, an idol when you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I've always loved small business. I've always wanted to own a business. I used to try to force what that business was and was starting the YouTube channel first and just allowing myself to like start to build a community of people that were who and do what I do. It allowed me to get clarity around what mark I wanted to leave on the world. And I would say I still haven't totally figured it out, but that's where this industrial tradition, Austin and Kayla as a brand, et cetera, et cetera, came about was that need for community, which is the whole reason why I started YouTube. I wonder if if we did that, like if we put ourselves out there, if I could find people that were like me and that wanted to do life like me because I didn't necessarily have people. I have people now that were in my life then that are these types of people, but I didn't know that because I wasn't in that mindset. And so I first needed to find the community of people that I wanted to be, which was like looking at life differently, questioning things, living bigger, like living into their purpose, like leaning into their life in a way that was maybe scary and risky, but was exciting and that they were passionate about. And so it took me a year because I was self-conscious to actually make a YouTube video. But then we started doing YouTube. The want for what the end result was, was bigger than the fear or the insecurity that I had of doing it. But with saying it took me a year to get to that point. Yes. And to at least try it. And I still will edit videos like Austin will take clips of me that I hate and I literally won't put them in the videos because I'm insecure or I, you know what I mean? Like I'm not confident. And so it still happens. It's like, it's definitely a work in progress, but that's how it got started. It's it's funny. Side note, talking about what people perceive other people as is you've always thought you were not confident, Mm -hmm. but even back in high school, whenever I knew you, Mm You were very confident compared to my personality. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because you felt like you had to be because yeah. of how you were raised and everything. Like you said, what you were told. Mm-hmm. Kayla was the president of the FFA chapter senior year. Yeah. She'd done some public speaking, this, that, and the other. And she was very good at it, even though there was a lot of preparation that went in behind that. Mm-hmm. So people like myself from the audience thought that she was very confident and she really it took a lot of work to, mm-hmm. to get up there and do that. Yeah. And so that just goes back to this is. I even had a good people- friend tell me recently, like, I don't have your confidence. And I was like, oh, maybe we don't know each other as well as I yeah. thought, because I, I've never 
Like, and Austin knows this because he sees the behind the scene. And I've told him like about who I really was in high school, like behind closed doors and what my thoughts were and my feelings were. And as well as now, like, obviously, since we've been together and married, like he sees me behind closed doors again. It's really funny to see like both sides. But again, that's why I was so good at hiding depression was because like, I know what the world I'm very aware. I'm very aware of what the world and people want and need to see to think and feel a certain way, which I actually really am curious about other people, which is why I'm so excited to do this podcast because I get to ask people and have conversations that I wish I could have on the street that are totally inappropriate. Yeah, You know what I mean? I've even now that like I'm trying to be the truest version of myself have to question myself and be aware of, am I playing? Am I putting on an act or am I being real? Because whenever you're so good at faking it, it can really mess with your mind and you can almost fake it without even like meaning to, or I have to constantly be kind of aware of what I'm doing and how I'm acting. I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Kayla a little bit better today and we're able to get something out of her story. I know I even learned something surprisingly enough from today's conversation that we had. I would say my favorite thing from today's podcast is what Kayla has got out of her depression and where she's been and looking forward to the future for her and us. Thank you guys for letting me be your host today. And next week, the podcast should go as normal, normal podcast style with Kayla as your host. And I'll be listening just like you are. See you guys. I hope this conversation found you right where you are. Join us to celebrate and support one another on the road to life well lived. You can join in more with our community by visiting industrialtradition.com slash subscribe. And we will send you over all the ways you can hang out with us during the week. I'll be back here same time next week for another episode. Now it's time to push back your seat and go live your industrial tradition. Industrial Tradition.